everybody. Welcome to Kevin Girl Podcast. I'm Kevin, and today I have my sister, Chriselle, on the podcast. Hello. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry if the sound quality is a little bit off. I'm trying the, the phone interview situation. Um, today, I wanted to talk to my sister, Chriselle. Just a little background information. My sister, Chriselle, she's a mom and she's a teacher. So I really wanted to have her on this podcast to talk about what's going on with the Florida bill. A lot of people call it the don't say gay bill. It does not say that anywhere in the um, bill, but I guess it's catchy. <laughs> um, so I, have you read the bill, Chriselle? Yeah, I read over it. It's basically don't mention anything about sexuality till like third grade or kindergarten through third grade. That's mm-hmm. not what I gathered from it. Yeah, um, I agree. I got that too. Also, um, the actual bill is called the Parental Rights in, Educa- in Education. So also a part of the bill is parents are allowed to sue the school or school district if they do not agree with what is being taught to their child as far as um, um, anything de- dealing with sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, when you read the bill, what what's your take on it? Or what do you agree with the bill? Mm, I just think it's another thing that Florida can just complain about I guess just be Florida about I guess if you like it's always something with Florida okay um I just I don't I don't really agree with these new laws that are coming out where parents have so many different avenues to kind of like attack the school system Mm -hmm. as far as like what's being taught and things like that like if you don't really agree with what's being taught and you can take your kid to private school or or homeschool them okay. that's kind of how i feel okay um as far as like sexuality and stuff like that that type of stuff you're not talking about that stuff in kindergarten first or second or third or third grade like not that i know of i mean i don't i teach first grade next year i'm teaching second grade and nowhere in any of my standards does the topic of sexuality come up mm-hmm. at all? So I don't really. It just really, it's just mind-boggling what these lawmakers think is important to deal with right now. Have any of your students ever talked to you about or asked you about anything that deals with that? Um, anything you'd put under the umbrella of like sexual education? No, what they'll do, the most I've ever heard is them call each other gay. And when I ask them what does gay mean, mm-hmm. they tense up because they know they're not supposed to be talking about that type of stuff at school because it's not appropriate. Um, but they'll just say, like, a boy will be like, it's when a boy likes another boy and I'm not gay. And I'm like, okay, well, we're not going to talk about that at school. Um, and then I kind of just leave it at that. We're not going to talk about it. So, so it's... It's very easy to shut it down in the classroom, I think. Okay. Um, Is there something wrong? Like, I don't want to say that because I know you're not like that. I don't want to say, is there something wrong with being gay? Is that why you don't let them discuss it? But why, why do you shut it down? Because I feel like that's something that a parent should discuss with their child. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't want my own child to be in the classroom and then that, pop up because I feel like that stuff is should be talked about at home mm-hmm. um and then also I don't want any parent to come back at me and ask me why am I talking with them about something like that with their with their child if they're not comfortable with it because you don't know what a parent feels comfortable about talking about it with mm-hmm. you know there's certain even like if you want to bring up like the CRT stuff that's going on in the news and stuff like that like for example, in first grade, we talk about Ruby Bridges, and I talk about segregation, and I bring up, like, black and white and different things like that, and I kind of push my boundaries, I guess, when it comes to that, because I feel like certain things should be discussed, um, that kids should know that when they when Ruby Bridges was their age, she was being spit on and yelled at because she was a black student just trying to go to school, mm-hmm. but in the age of don't teach CRT, 
I could maybe some parent may hear what I talk about and I may be in trouble, you know, Mm -hmm. because they don't want me discussing that with their child. So I just feel like it just is not appropriate for school to talk about that because a lot of times, like, and even like I hear a lot of kids say, well, Lil Nas X is gay, so I have to deal with that. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just like you just never know what's being talked about at home. And I know I have some parents, some students, they have um, two two moms mm-hmm. or two dads. So they have that on their own stuff at home that they have to talk about with. And it's just, it's just not my place to talk about that with them. So, That's how I feel. Okay, so who are you to because it seems like some of this thing some of these things are discretionary so just like you said you push your boundaries a little bit and it's important to you to discuss ruby bridges and segregation why isn't the matter of sexuality of importance or what like how do you deem what's worthy of being taught or what us kids should know i guess like you said it is personal discretion i just feel like Personally, I'm not in my household discussing sexuality with my own kids mm-hmm. and for in first grade. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to discuss it with other six year olds. I feel like it's not important. I feel like kids should be kids. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age when there's so much sexuality on TV and in the music and on YouTube and everywhere these kids turn, like for example, the Proud Family, the new reboot or whatever, mm-hmm. like, I mean, my kids like it, but there's an episode where there's, there's two dads on there and they kiss. So I had to like, I had to, I had to figure out where I had to like kind of blur that part out real quick because I had kids asking me like, why are the dads kissing? So I had, I just was like, well, they're just two, they're just two dads. I just was like, it's just a, it's just a very touchy subject, and I just feel like sexuality being discussed at six, seven, and eight isn't important but they're exposed to so much, you kind of almost don't have a choice on, I don't know, it's tough. Even with my own kids, I had a, I had a little girl ask my child out, mm-hmm. you know, and she's nine. Mm-hmm. So I had to have that conversation. I was like, you know, do you like girls? And she was like, I don't know who I like. I don't like boys or girls, so I don't like anybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I mean, it was hard for me because I was like, I, I, I don't know, because like I was, when I was growing up, the first thing that I ever heard about being gay was when Sonny Bono and Cher's daughter came out. Mm-hmm. And Chat, and now it's Chaz, or whatever his name is now. But mom and dad explained to me, like, what gay was, and that was it. But I think I was, like, maybe fifth or sixth grade. Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to go back in time and see whenever Sonny and Cher's daughter came out. But... And it wasn't a big deal, but there wasn't as much sex on TV and there wasn't as many, there wasn't YouTube. I was on the computer nonstop until maybe high school. So it just, even the talk about sexual predators and things like that, mm-hmm. that didn't happen until high school. So, I mean, it just, things are so much more accelerated now, but I just don't feel, I feel like it's just not supposed to be talked about at school. I feel like mm-hmm. that's something that should be talked about at home. Okay, so this section didn't get recorded, so um, I'm re-recording it right now. So my follow-up question to Chriselle was, um, since the point being made was that sexuality and gender identity should only be discussed at home instead of in the classroom, do you think those parents opposed to those concepts at school are ever truly going to teach their child that at home since they have such an adverse reaction to them being talked about at school if not does that pose a disadvantage to someone and to whose detriment and Chriselle had said that she does not think those parents will eventually teach their children about those of different gender gender identities or sexualities Um, she said most people don't know how to discuss these topics so it's best to keep them as taboo subjects which is why we're in the predicament we are now in society. So the detriment is honestly to the children. Um, I agree with her in the sense that I do not believe those parents will do the their due diligence and teach their kids at home about different gender identities, fluidity, sexual orientation. Um but I do not believe that it should remain a taboo subject. 
Again, I think throughout this entire podcast, you'll understand that I really do think something does need to be done because every child should be represented and should be able to learn about themselves and others and understand that they are okay just the way they are. I just myself don't have the answers and don't know how to properly go about teaching a child those things. Um, but something does need to be done and I don't think it should be taboo. So I think that's where me and Chriselle differ um, a little bit. But other than that, we boot, we do, excuse me, we do both agree that um, those parents probably will not do that for their child and actually teach them. Um, and I think it is not only to the detriment of the children um, or the disadvantage of the children, but specifically to those children that don't fit in our heteronormative society, because I think then the ignorance of not knowing and being taught will affect how they interact with students who, again, do not fit that heteronormative mold we have here in society. Pose a stigma onto these students, it will open up opportunity to further discriminate against them and to cause any type of violence or harm towards them. So I think that is like a huge, a huge deal. Kids are kids. And I think there's so much innocence in that. So if we do not make education inclusive and I guess, more informed or better informed, we risk fucking up our children, I guess, and allowing them to hurt and fuck up their peers as well, just because we decided not to take the extra steps to, for us as adults to try and learn better, understand better, and build a better curriculum so I think this is way above me I think in my pay grade like I'd I I something needs to give something needs to change there needs to be some consultations with professionals happening in the LGBTQIA plus community between just regular heteronormative world to build a better curriculum that includes involves and safely discusses all these things. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm rambling now. Um, okay, so if if the situation had been a little different, if it was someone, if, it, if a little boy asked your daughter out, would you still be as, like, hesitant and eerie about a conversation? Um... Well, no, because I'd ask her, I'd still ask her the same thing, like, you know, do you like boys or whatever, or do you even like boys now? Mm-hmm. I just, I guess because the, I accept everybody. I, I believe that love is love. You can love who you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends that are gay. I've been to, um, my best friend is uh, a lesbian, and I went and saw, I was a witness to her marriage, like, I have nothing against same-sex marriage mm-hmm. or relationships. I just feel like when you're a child, things can get easily skewed. I yeah, I feel like children are you, very impressionable, and I think that's why it's such a slippery slope teaching that, like, teaching anything to children. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think that even if a little boy asked her out with her being eight, nine years, nine years old, I would still be like, okay, what do you know about relationships? <laughs> Things like that. I mean, I just, I don't know, but because of my religious background as well, mm-hmm. marriage between a man and a woman, um, that's kind of what we teach our children. But again, I believe that anybody can love anybody. Mm-hmm. So I am, I do also teach my kids that everyone is open to their own who they like so like I said my own daughter she's nine and she's had a conversation with me before about she doesn't know if she likes boys or girls Mm -hmm. so she doesn't know Mm -hmm. but she's like but she's asked me is it okay for her to like girls and I'm like it's okay for you to like whoever you want to like and I leave it at that because I don't ever want that door to be closed for conversation Mm -hmm. if I was to say no marriage is only between a man and a woman if she ever liked a girl she'd never come forward and say anything to me Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of like why in the classroom, I don't shut it down and be like, we don't talk about gay because gay is bad. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. We just don't talk about that stuff in school. Don't call people gay because that's a bullying term. When they're the way that the kids use it, mm-hmm. when you're call, when they're calling somebody else gay, they're not saying it because they're actually gay. They're saying it to be me. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I'm like, don't bring it up in class. Do you think but, if because in Florida they don't start teaching, and I think a lot of places because I don't even remember really any sex education um, as early like probably like eighth grade and then in Florida it's like sixth grade but do you think if we did have a comprehensive sex education and that necessarily doesn't have to do with sex because I'll get to it later about what you would be comfortable being considered sex education for smaller children but do you think if we had a a more well thought out curriculum um, relating to it that we wouldn't even have to have this conversation and that we could save a lot of children from feeling so isolated as children? Mm. I don't know because like the way education is in America, especially now that I teach, it's really not about teaching. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's about teaching to a test about standards like math and science and social studies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think because there isn't, there it's not important because it's not being tested on mm-hmm. so even if there was a well thought out curriculum it's going to vary from state to state because each state has its own curriculum mm-hmm. for standards so something would have to be federally mandated and then you still have states rights. Mm-hmm. so the government could say we want you guys to teach like a financial literacy course mm-hmm. But if your state didn't want to do that all they'd have to do is find a way to block and veto it the same way that like they do now when they don't want to follow what the feds are saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if there was a, like, for me, for example, we my first sex ed class was in fifth grade, mm-hmm. and it was just about puberty. Pe- it was about puberty. Periods, yeah. I, I remember that. <laughs> now, yeah. I think that they should start doing that earlier mm-hmm. now because kids are having their cycles more earlier now, mm-hmm. and they're exposed to so much, and they should know, like, for example, my own daughter, she's nine, and she's starting to have, like, different changes and things like that, but mm-hmm. she's only in third grade. Mm-hmm. So I can't really wait on her to learn something in school from a video mm-hmm. than for, instead of me talking to her. But I know a lot of parents, they have a hard time talking to their kids. Mm-hmm. So if we did have something that was a little bit earlier on, maybe it would open the doors. But some people just don't want their kid. They want to still shelter their child. Mm -hmm. So they don't even want them knowing about this stuff. And that's why they don't want it taught in schools. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and I'll ask you the same question after I answer it myself, I guess. I think the biggest place this bill messes up, and I think why now it's being even more misconstrued by the opposition, which I would assume is more liberal, progressive, not just not um, very conser- conservative people. I think where Florida messed up, but I think they probably did this by design, like purposefully, is that it it is too much of a gray area and too much up to just like people's emotions and their own discretion because I as a parent maybe it doesn't have to do with sexuality but what if I have a problem with something being taught in the curriculum like if we're talking about history and how you're you say it's important that they learn this about America and all that and then another parent can be upset about it and I could just go off and sue like the school like that's where I think it's too much of a slippery slope I think that's like giving too I don't want to say too much power to parents because I'd like to be involved in what my kid is learning. But then to some extent, it's just like, then you're going to have to take them out of school and teach them what you're going to teach them and shelter them. Because, uh, uh, sorry, I'm kind of just rambling, but um, back to the point, there's not a clear curriculum or understanding that has been constructed in any state or any sound one, I think, any sound curriculum as far as sex education goes. So I think it leaves too much of a gray area so people can, okay, it causes so many problems with suing the school district and stuff like that. So then they're just going to, they want all sex education to be shut down. I think that's ultimately the goal, if I can be honest. Um, just so nothing is talked about at all. And it's 
it's just going to turn into an abstinence only type of thing. Um, or j- like just the traditional um, straight sexuality, abstinence as far as sex is concerned. And I think kids are just going to go around being ignorant. And I, I'm i not advocating for that to be taught to third graders and below. But I'm just saying I think it'll cause like a whole avalanche. Yeah. If that yeah, makes I sense. Yeah, I mean, once you have one thing, then it starts a whole bunch of stuff. Like if you, like, for example, this past winter mm-hmm. or fall, there was a bill in Arizona, not Arizona, in Indiana, mm-hmm. where parents were, where teachers were going to have to be required to post their lesson plans for the entire upcoming year for parents to review. That's too many and, hands in the pot. That's... <laughs> and how many, and if, and if that law would have passed mm-hmm. in one state, then other states would have been given the green light to go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, had that been the case and it passed, many teachers were going to, teachers are already leaving the profession as it is. Mm-hmm. Any, even more would be leaving because that that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, they expect a teacher to do that, one, over the summer, two, in advance. Like, you can't plan your curriculum that far in advance in a whole year. And then it's just, and then for parents to have that much access to it, like, I'm sorry, I don't want no parent looking at all my lesson plans. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, and if you want to see them, you can see them the week of. Mm-hmm. You can see them the week that I do it. And even then, you're not going to tell me what I am going to be teaching in my class because I'm teaching to the standards. If you want to know the standards that we're teaching, mm-hmm. then that's online. You can get that wherever you want. Yeah. But as far as, like, seeing my lesson plans and my assignments, if you want to be that detailed and that involved, go ahead and homeschool your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think this bill is allowing for a lot of overreach, or is that would that be the right word to use? Um, and again, I think it there's too many questions to be had, and that's why I'm saying I think that um, people who oppose the bill are saying the "Don't Say Gay" bill because it's allowing like for teachers or parents to they can shut down and not teach anything at all because a parent because a teacher is so afraid of getting sued or having some type of disciplinary action taken against them so then it's forcing the teacher never to speak about it again speak about anything related to that again um so i guess like I, I feel like a lot of people will shoot things down but don't have much solutions left or don't, um, and especially concerning any type of education with the curriculum. It's like, well, then what would you be okay with your children, your child being taught? So um, if you want to go first, Chrishell, what would you be okay with your children being taught, um, starting off with third grade and below, and then speci- like as the girls are growing up, what would you be okay further into school than being taught as far as sexual education like third, like third grade and below i think that we should do classes on like stranger danger mm-hmm. and like what is inappropriate touch mm-hmm. like i think what like what the names of your private parts are called mm-hmm. because like there's so many different like there's grown-ups who still call their vaginas pocketbooks or stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> like they don't use it like if some like if grayson came home and was like somebody because like i i used to call it like and I'm getting like real personal or whatever, but I used to like call their private part their tutus mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then like after Grayson was born, I was like, and after Cameron started growing up, I was like, if she ever came home and said somebody touched my tutu, nobody would know what that meant. Yeah. So I had to teach them what their what the actual proper anatomy terms were. So if mm-hmm. somebody ever touched them in that wrong spot, they could come home and they could tell any adult, mm-hmm. and any adult would rush to. Because if you say I touched, you know, you you could think that they had on an actual tutu. Mm-hmm. That yeah. So I, I didn't want that to get misconstrued. Mm-hmm. I think that when you get in the fourth grade, you should start talking about puberty and the changes that your body goes through. I think when you hit fifth grade, sixth grade, like you say, should still do dare, like drugs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I still like I think the dare program is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I think eighth grade you start talking about. I don't really remember what I did in eighth grade, but I know I did something because we I had, had an eighth baby. We had health. Yeah, you just had eighth grade health. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I still think that that's that's still relevant and good. Maybe at that age, maybe even fifth grade, fifth grade middle schools. Maybe you can start talking now because there is transgender and there's maybe maybe then you can you can introduce those terms and mm-hmm. things like that. 
Um, but again, this is just me just talking and I'm just my own parent and that's how I feel like what I should, would do with my own kids. Mm -hmm. But my kids are nine and five and they are exposed to so much. Cause even Grayson, Grayson, she's five. She was like, I'm not going to have a girlfriend. I'm not having a boyfriend. Like, so she already knows Mm -hmm. what she wants. Mm -hmm. Um, but the fact that she's even thinks that that's an option shows that she already knows more than what I knew at five years old. Um, I agree as far as, like, um, what you just said about, like, the touching. I think consent should be taught, like, from the gate. And that's not necessarily – it doesn't have to be super intense and heavy, like, or or made a joke either. Like, when we all went to our freshman college orientation, like, I don't know if you've seen the tea video. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the – um okay well it's it's an it's using tea as like an analogy for sex and consent it's saying if i offer you a cup of tea and you say no then that means that person doesn't want the tea don't give them the tea if they want the tea like so like the video like it got the point across but a bunch of college freshmen just took it as a joke because you're talking about like it was fun like the it was a humorous video so But consent doesn't necessarily have to be taught in relation to sex out the jump as a little kid. I think it's if if you don't want to hug that family member, you don't got to do because that's always like a situation that like, especially older generations, like they talk to they act like little kids are rude if they don't necessarily interact with them the same way like their peer would, you know, or carry a conversation the same way or go hug them or something. So I think like teaching consent as in you don't have to hug everybody. You don't have to be in someone's space all the time. If you don't want someone in your space, don't let them in your space. It doesn't necessarily have to be about sex. Oh, if you don't want to have sex with this person, then it's right. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I think if you put it under that guise of just every day, every day things as that everything for the most part requires some consent when you're interacting with other people so I think that's the way it should be introduced and then when they get to like the the eighth grade or whatever the a more an older age range then you can introduce how consent plays a part in sexual behavior and stuff like that you know um so I think consent should be taught like and get like once they start going to school, like preschool, kindergarten, if I don't want to do this, I shouldn't be forced to do this. Um, and then self-love at first, like I didn't understand how it was a part of sexual education. I actually had this conversation with my boss cause she leads, um, the purity group at her church. Like she'll do lessons. And when she first said that to me, the word purity, I think there's a lot of shame in that. I think people have taken that and because you're not, if you're not quote unquote pure, whatever that means to you, then people feel guilt and shame. And so like at first I was like, what is she about to say? Um, um, Because I'm very like, let people be who they want to be. Don't shame them for who they are. Um, And, but she said, and I immediately thought about sex when I think of purity and like virginity and stuff like that. And she was just like, no, I, she said, I talked about self-love cause I asked her, I said, Oh, can I, do you mind me asking what you were teaching? And she was like, I did the first lesson I did on self-love. And I was just like, okay, like how does that relate to sex and purity and stuff? And she said, because if we start teaching our kids sooner about self-love, maybe then they will realize how worthy they are and how sacred their bodies are. And they are as people that they won't, start engaging so early and trying to find value or something in another person sexually and I was just like oh my god that's genius (laughs) like yeah yeah so so I don't know where that would fit in third grade and under not again maybe not just presenting it and as it relates to sex but just teaching self-love like I so those self-affirmations like I am I'm beautiful, I'm this, I'm that. And all little kids should have that kind of mindset. We should te- We should promote that. Like, uh, I think the video you sent me of Grayson and one of her classmates doing the, was it like, I am oh, black? Hey black oh, hey, yeah, black the child. hey, black child poem. Yeah, the hey, black child poem. And it was just uh, how, how much, like, pride and beauty there is in being black. And um, so something like that, just always making sure that you're affirming young kids 
because there's so much yeah. negative that is always spewed out. Like you said, kids see it all the time. So once once it's your echo chamber and you're surrounded by it, I think that really hinders children and lowers their confidence. So then maybe then that blows up into, okay, I may not later on in life when it does pertain to sex, I'm not worthy enough. So I'm going to do this to make myself feel worthy and give myself to someone who didn't deserve it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's really a lot. So. It can be. I think, um, I think consent, as I explained it, and self-love should be taught maybe as a part of sex education, but not necessarily so explicit out there as sex education, just like little lessons that will further link it to that once they get older and progress in their curriculum. Um, and I think like the whole love who you want to love concept of, you know, if someone like if your students watched the proud family and saw two dads kissing and they asked why, I think it, it like it kind of just is if they were to ask you why, just be like, because they're two dads kissing like, and they yeah. love each other and that's it. Like there shouldn't be any. I don't think there should ever be a debate about what sexual preference you have being right or wrong. It should just be like, well, that person's with that person because they love who they love. They're people. They're people like and leave it yeah. there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you, you then get into the nuances and all the intricacies of sex and gender identity, I think like in high school and stuff like that, because, but yeah. then like, oh, sorry, go ahead, Chriselle. I don't know. You keep going. The thing though, that I battle, I, I, or I struggle with is like, if we wait so late into high school because being growing up as a kid is hard especially with other little little kids are mean and it's very hard just trying to figure out who you are as a person and like navigate that dealing trying to keep your relationships up uh, with these other kids so like I guess where I I'm unsure about waiting so late to discuss the whole gender identity thing is because is it fair to that student that has known so long for their life that they may not fit the norm and then for it then to start half-ass be normalized in high school and you if we spoke about it sooner we could have saved them from being silent or humiliated or feeling guilt or shame for who they are while they were younger like is that that's not is that fair to them it's not like it's not I can be straight and happy and whatever and not have to worry about anybody else because that is my identity and my identity is is accepted everywhere but for the gay kid or the transgender kid growing up they have to be hush hush or they have to deal with a bunch of bullshit because people invalidate that experience yeah I mean, and I think it would be best to maybe, maybe we should ask somebody that is transgender or is gay mm-hmm. and has had to go through school in those different type of situations and see mm-hmm. what they feel. You know, how do they, how would they have liked mm-hmm. to be, it's been taught in school. Like, I know I have a lot of friends who like, they like the representation in the cartoons or the, the movies today. Because they're like, if I, if I would have seen, like, I'm trying to think of a movie right now. But, like, if, if I had seen this on TV when I was growing up, it would have been a little bit easier to have somebody look up to. Like, for example, like, like black representation in movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, superheroes. Mm-hmm. Like, us having Black Panther now. Like, oh, wow, we have Black Panther. Like, some people are like, man, I wish I would have had that growing up. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of like something similar. Yeah. So, that's... I think that's what's but it's, the it's hardest hard about it. It's hard for me to kind of like say exactly what we should do because I don't identify. I identify I'm a, I'm a heterosexual, you know, Christian woman. So for me, the stuff, but I am black, mixed. So it would have been like there's certain things that I wish I would have seen growing up on TV or learned at school, mm-hmm. but I can't really. I can't really speak for that demographic of what I would have liked to have seen growing up mm-hmm. since I don't identify with anything outside of that. Mm-hmm. So I do, I, I, I feel like something does, there needs to be some curriculum offered 
about that 100%. I just don't know when that starts. I know it's not as early as third grade and below. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, like, does that start in middle school or high school, you know? Because in elementary school, I don't think little kids are, like, they're not thinking about that as much, I would say. They're not thinking about this per ooh, I'm interested in this person, you know? I think they are more just being kids or they're figuring themselves out. But sexual, I think the problem with the thing with like sexuality and gender identity is because nobody wants their kid to be influenced or affected by it, which is stupid. Like, yeah. So I think there definitely needs to be some, there needs to be something in sex education curriculum that, that goes about all the intricacies and different types of identities and fluidity and stuff like that. I just don't know when the most opportune age for that is. And I would hate for it to be at the expense or a little too late for those students who do not fit the traditional heterosexual straight person, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. and then last thing, I think that should be taught. I agree with you as far as menstruation, like, third or fourth grade whenever like when little girls start developing and guys start puberty like you know um I think puberty is something it should be earlier than fifth grade now because kids are starting like I have my friends we all have kids that are like similar ages Mm -hmm. so now our girls are starting to go through different things at the same time Mm -hmm. so we've been talking about how they're developing like Candy wears a little training bra now Uh like she came to me this is like embarrassing that I talk about her. She probably be mortified, but she came to me and was like, mom, one of them is bigger than the other. And I was like, and I was just like, that's normal. And she was like, why is that normal? And I was like, because it is. Like, I don't know. That's how we were made. Mm -hmm. Like, so they ask those questions, but I just feel like, I feel like in school, like as my own mom and I've had my, my other friends, we have not had those like, the period discussion with our daughters yet but mm-hmm. we know it's coming up yeah and i'm trying to figure out when as a mom do i bring that conversation up i also have another variable because my daughter's autistic mm-hmm. so i have to deal with a whole other different variable of teaching her how to do things so, like i went on amazon and i was able to find a book on how to kind of like present it but my own mom our own mom mm-hmm. there was not really a real discussion yeah i mean yeah like, we didn't get sex ed. Like, the talk for me, mom gave me the sex talk. With It went from, I was 12 years old, I forgot to take out the trash one night, one day. <laughs> and she took me forgetting to take out the trash to me being forgetting to put it on a condom to then I get pregnant and then I'm a single mom. That that sounds and I got, about right. And I got all that at 12 years old. And I was like, what the hell? Uh. So, <laughs> I mean, you just... They're crazy. A, yeah, <laughs> they're nuts. So, I mean, what do you do? Like, Mm. I mean, so I'm trying to make sure I don't, but then I have my husband whose parents have never, ever had any type of talk about puberty or sex with them Mm -hmm. at all, him and his sibling. Mm -hmm. So they had to learn everything that they learned on their own. Yeah. Like, luckily they're not idiots, but, you know, at the same time, they didn't get anything from their parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, I mean, that's, I don't think, I think you should learn stuff from your parents. Yeah, so. You should, you you should, if the the window should be open to talk. Mm -hmm. So, like, Um, the fact that Candy did come up and ask me about herself, I'm like, okay, she does feel comfortable talking to me about it. So, I need to figure out when is the good time to have these conversations with her so that way she knows to come to me. Or she has... She's got four aunties. She's comfortable talking to y'all. Mm-hmm. So she may ask one of y'all. So mm-hmm. y'all better be prepared too. So she can come to you guys and ask questions. I know they talk to Kayla more than anybody right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but because Kayla will come to me and tell me like kids, well, kids will find an adult that they feel comfortable talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's, ma- it's mainly the parents. Parents, I think parents need sex ed for kids parents yeah, need these courses I, yeah I because agree because they need to know how to talk to their children mm-hmm. but that's, that's what's crazy but <laughs> that's what's crazy we don't like and that's what I'm saying is such the disconnect is because adults and in this case teachers and also you know parents of students like nobody knows what to do that's why we're in this position talking about this having fights about the curriculum and what can and cannot be taught because there's no no one has found a sound solid way to approach the situation um and then last thing and then I'll get off of this um 
as far as curriculum is concerned, I'm pretty sure no one's going to argue this with me, but kids need to be, or, well, no, some people will argue this first part about abstinence only should not be the only thing taught, but I'm saying as far as, like, sexually transmitted diseases, um, STDs, infections, all that kind of stuff. stuff All that stuff should be talked about. Contraceptives and all that stuff. Like, it all needs to be talked about. And also, knowing our own biology. Okay, so actually, this just took me on a side note. Should... Because I was just saying, like, our anatomy, as far as biology, should Mm -hmm. be taught of knowing our pieces and our parts um some people think like this is a more adult conversation but i'm just going just for kicks and giggles should the concept of pleasure be taught to not and not in any way no elementary or middle school students but high school students should that concept be taught because once you learn because that's the big thing of being an adult people are just like well since guys don't understand women's anatomy that's why women ain't feeling good you know so should that ever be no i think that that's that's more college okay that's how i feel okay even though i even though i know that sex is being had in high school Mm -hmm. because i was just being honest like it, it is what it is okay but but it still should, that should be a college concept if you want to take a course like that in college. I think that's a more adult subject. Okay. That's how I feel. Okay. All right. Um, so I think that was kind of it for that part. I'm going to stay on kids, but this is more so like parenting or not necessarily even parenting, just like how your life has changed being an actual parent so like we're gonna talk about kids but not really um so are you are you happy you had children <laughs> yeah i mean because <laughs> aren't you every gonna parent you t- every, every yeah. parent you say is gonna say yeah but i yeah. mean it's just like when you i mean i i really didn't feel like like parenting for me did not become difficult until they entered school. Mm-hmm. Like for me, because that's when they start developing their own personalities, and you're held accountable for like their actions when they're at school. Like you just hope they go to school and that they're good people and that they listen mm-hmm. and things like that. I am happy that I became a parent. I mean, I became a parent at 23, mm-hmm. so like right before I turned 24, so I became a parent kind of young. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as opposed to like some of my other friends, I have a lot of friends that are older than me. Most of my friends are like 40. So they have kids that are my age, but they had kids older. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have like same age kids, mm-hmm. but the pe- my friends that are my age, they are like just now having kids or just started having kids maybe a few years ago. So, but anyways, I am happy. I became a parent. It is very rewarding. It's very challenging. Um, but just to see these little humans that you created grow up and, you know, make these different strides and stuff, it is very rewarding to see. Mm-hmm. So is that what my next question was going to be? What has motherhood been for you? So would that be your answer to that? Um, I guess so. I mean, motherhood for me has been it's just like raising tiny humans. Mm-hmm. I mean, just make I just I try to remember that my kids. They, they really aren't mine. They're, like, I'm religious. They're God's kids. So I am raising them to go out into the world. Mm-hmm. So they're my kids, but they're tiny humans. I can't control them. I can't live vicariously through them. I can't tell them what to do. I can't tell them what moods to have because they are tiny humans who have their own moods, their own personalities, and it's just my job to raise them so that way when they get older and they go out into the world, they can just keep on living. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I look at motherhood. Okay. Is there, would you say, is there a cultural myth about the joy of having kids that leads people to having false expectations of what having kids is really like and being a parent is really like? Mm, I mean, I think, like, motherhood and stuff like that. Like, I'm very open about my experience with postpartum depression mm-hmm. and having children. Like, I had postpartum depression after both my kids. Mm-hmm. With After my oldest, I had to be admitted to the hospital because I had a 
um, anxiety attack, my first one, like, because I didn't know, it was just it's so much pressure. Mm-hmm. And, like, I never thought about harming myself or the child. Mm-hmm. I just was very overwhelmed with the fact that it was my responsibility for this little human. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't take to motherhood until maybe Cameron was, like, six months old. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when I started, like, loving it. Because the newborn stage is not my favorite. A lot of people love the newborn stage because they're like, oh, they're so tiny and blah, 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 blah. They are so needy. (laughs) And they are so, like, you get no sleep. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they need, like, it's just, your body is going through a whirlwind of emotions and just everything. So, like, whenever I have a friend that's about to have a baby, I give them the real deal. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you feel like you're about to hurt yourself. You feel like you're about to cry. You feel like you can't do this anymore. You call me. Like, don't be afraid to tell anybody because there's no shame in it because every mom goes through it. You feel so alone. Like, motherhood can be lonely because you go from everything is all about you to now nobody cares about you. Mm-hmm. They only care about the baby. They only care about the kid. Mm-hmm. And then mothers have to go back to work six weeks after, usually. most Not everybody can be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. So you have to go right back to work and, you know, go into the demands of whatever job you have. And then you got to turn right back around and then you got to do stuff at home. And even if you are a stay at home mom, that's a hard job too, because you're never by yourself ever. You never get a chance to go out and do something that doesn't have to do with the kids. Your life revolves around being mothers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'll say that there is like, there's false, like, oh, the joy of motherhood. It's not, it's not like all rainbows and unicorns. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just hard. Like, like, we just talked about all the stuff that you have to teach your kids. You know, you teach them good touch, bad touch. Teach them that it's okay not to hug family members. But then you have to deal with family members. You know, you may say, you may teach your kids it's okay not to hug a family member, but then you get family members that get upset at that. Yeah, all so bent out of shape. family mad at you. Yeah, all these old-ass people. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's exactly who it is. Yeah. I mean, and then they get mad because the way you're teaching, you know, and mm-hmm. then... It's just, it can be a lot. Mm-hmm. It can be a lot. But I mean, if you can have a tribe of people that help you, then it it's okay. Um, you know, it makes it easier. What are your biggest hesitations or fears of being a parent? Um, messing up my children, mm-hmm. like psychologically. Mm-hmm. Like I have my own... You know, we've, we've talked on the podcast before about some of the issues that our parents have passed down to us mm-hmm. that we have dealt with mm-hmm. is like, for example, I just accepted a new teaching job at a new school mm-hmm. and for next year, which means that my children have to change schools. Mm-hmm. So Cameron is pissed, the mm-hmm. oldest one, and she does not want to change schools again. This will be like her fourth, her fourth elementary school that mm-hmm. she's had to go to. And she is very upset. Like, I let her have her emotions the other day. She slammed the door in my face. I didn't get mad. I didn't show out on her. Mm-hmm. But I, because I let her have it. But am I psychologically messing up my child by doing what I feel is best for me by switching schools? At, but it's going to damage her. Mm-hmm. Or, like, say I'm going through my own mental health issues. Like, this past year, I've been really, really depressed. Mm-hmm. And. But you have to, like, kind of push through those moments as a parent because you don't want your your kids are not supposed to see you like that. Mm-hmm. They're only supposed to see you as, like, superhuman, kind of. Yeah. So, like, I don't want me and my depression. I, I suffer from bipolar disorder. So I have to really watch myself because I don't ever want them to be like, well, mom was having an episode, so we, she couldn't take us here. Mm-hmm. Or she never really wanted to do this with us. So mm-hmm. my biggest fear as a parent is messing up my children and like them saying they missed out on something due to my own mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, But like me and like, I'm a child of divorced parents. So like, and I had, you know, a stepdad. So I had to go through that. I don't, I never wanted my children to have to go through that. So I work really hard in my marriage to make sure that we really push through every issue that we have. Um, and that we come out stronger than ever. So that way divorce is never an option on the table. Cause I don't want my kids to go through what I went through. So like, it'll be 10 years since TJ and I've been married. Cammy will be 10 this year. I say I'm doing a pretty good job, but I got to keep going. 
you know, you just, I just don't want, I just don't ever want them to have to go through a broken home. Mm. Um, side note, what would you say the effects of a, um, a broken home was or is? Well, I had trust issues. I still have trust issues and abandonment issues. Like, cause my dad, he left mm-hmm. after the divorce. Mm-hmm. He just kind of like left, like not that he didn't have anything to do with us, but his life was his own. Mm-hmm. He really wasn't worried about Kayla and I. Mm-hmm. So when he decided to move, he moved. So if me and Kayla didn't see him for a year or two, he was fine with that because he was living his life. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, I have like abandonment issues. Like when it comes to my own husband, when it comes to different things, like I don't ever want to feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. I like don't like, so that, that part of issue came, comes from a broken home or like just, well, you remember, but like I was 19. Mm-hmm. So when mom and dad were considering divorce at that time, that like traumatized me at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So I could only, so like, I feel like divorce did, I feel like at a younger age, you can, kids adapt to things better mm-hmm. than adults do because you're so used to certain things as an adult and things are just always supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. But just like the thought of mom and dad not being together, like like just made me like frantic like that was the first time I had like a breakdown as an adult Mm -hmm. because I couldn't believe that they weren't going to be together Mm -hmm. um but I wouldn't stay together because I feel like you're because kids know kids know if you're not happy yeah even like Grace me me and TJ will be on the couch having just a regular discussion and Grace will be like "Ooh, they're fighting and I'm like not fighting we're just having a discussion Mm -hmm. but like kids if they grow up and all they're seeing is constant fighting. They think that is normal. Mm-hmm. So then when they grow up and become an adult and they get into a relationship, they may be defensive all the time because that's what they grew up seeing. They may think it's okay to argue. They may think it's okay not to speak to each other because that's what they grew up seeing. Yeah. If they grew up in a house where people don't speak to each other, they think, they may think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I grew up, we grew up in a household where there's not a lot of affection. So I'm not a big PDA person. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not a PDA person at all. And that is a big issue in my marriage at times because that's just not me. Mm-hmm. But. um, Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why. I think people, not, not like a hero um, con, uh, construct about themselves, but I think like. Or they think it's the best for their kids. I don't know why they do it. Because I honestly don't. Like me and dad had talks on the porch the other day about this. Of just like people being happy in marriages. And I think people convince themselves they're doing the right thing by staying with someone for the sake of their kids. But like you said, kids pick up on a lot. And I think kids would rather just see their parents happy. No matter what that looks like. Rather than together and there's always some type of strain but I think people again want to convince themselves they're doing the right thing or something good with this type of like, complex like I, I mean I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie like I mean because I mean every marriage has almost reached a breaking point mm-hmm. I'm not no marriage is perfect yeah and when it's all when it's come down to it and it it, it, it has been that rough at one point in my own marriage it is very difficult to think about walking away because of the kid. Cause you don't want to, that goes back to, I don't want to traumatize them. So mm-hmm. no decision is really the right decision, but if you are so miserable that you can't make yourself happy in your marriage, mm-hmm. then you should not be with that other person because you are teaching your child that it's okay to be with people that make you miserable. That's how I feel. Yeah. So then and that's, you're just passing that generational curse on. Exactly. So that's that's exactly what I was getting at. I think you said it. The what the thought I was trying to get out is yeah, you're you're showing them that uh, you you just deal with this person, sit up, shut up, like, and it is what it is because the familiarity or the comfort you have with this person or the fear of, like, not wanting to start over or the stress of not wanting to start over and, like, go venture off in your own life of, without this person. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. Back on topic. Um, no, it's fine. Do any of the fears you have of being – okay, so I guess my – actually – I should start with this question first. Do you want more children? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. I got two. 
I thought I wanted a third. I really just actually met, came to the conclusion a couple weeks ago, like no more kids. Mm -hmm. And it's because of finances, to be honest with you. Okay, yeah. It's very expensive to raise kids. Mm -hmm. Diapers are expensive. Formula, I don't breastfeed. Formula is expensive. Um, I, diapers are expensive. Formula is expensive. Daycare is expensive. Then they get older. You need to buy clothes all the time. Like I got to buy a camera and new shoes. Like, they grow up, they grow out of stuff, and then, you know, you need more space. Mm -hmm. I have people that go to my church that have four, five, and six kids. Mm -hmm. And people say children are a blessing from the Lord, and I understand that. I just don't, I am not one of those people where I have enough faith that things will work out mm -hmm. if I just had another kid. Uh -huh. I know things will, but I don't like to struggle. Uh-huh. So finances is the reason why I decided not to have a third kid. I'm actually going to go ahead and get my tube signed uh -huh. so that way I don't even have a chance of having a third kid because I, Grayson has five, so I would technically be starting all the way over again. Like when, after, when Cameron was, was four and a half, I had Grayson. So they're, I've pretty much started all over again. Now Cam, Grayson is five. Mm -hmm. I would have to start all over, car seats, this and that. Like, it's just a lot. And because, like I said, I have bipolar, I'm finally getting it under control. Having another kid would make me have to stop my medication. Mm -hmm. And then that would just have to be a whole other, that's another thing. Like, can my body, can my mental health handle another child? Mm -hmm. And I've come to the conclusion that no. And also, can my marriage handle another child? We already, our time is split as as much as it is already between two kids and trying to make time for ourselves. If we have a third one, that time is really split. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this, I tell all my friends, too, that have their first kid, children bring out the selfishness in you. Like, because when that baby is born, the, it's not about your partner anymore. Mm -hmm. It may have been about your partner up until and then your partner the, their selfish tendencies are going to come out whether or not they tell how mad are they how they try to hide it because they're so used to it being about them that mm -hmm. is you're gonna have strains in your marriage and i just don't want to put that on my marriage anymore i don't want to i don't want to have that i don't want to go through that mm -hmm. if you were unhappy in a marriage would you stay together for your kids no okay no because I, I feel like that does more damage than good. One more person to have to worry about. Mm -hmm. One more. It's just one more thing. Yeah. And we, TJ and I have talked about it. It's not. He doesn't want to take away from the girls either. Like, so if we have another mouth to feed. Mm -hmm. That takes away, like, the fun stuff that the girls may be able to do. Or if we have to. Say we buy a four-bedroom house and the girls have their own rooms. But then we have another kid or three-bedroom house, rather, then they have to go back to sharing rooms again. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to have to go through that. Like, that happened to us growing up. Mm -hmm. um, when court, when me and Kayla had finally got our own rooms, uh, when we, when mom and dad first got married, mm -hmm. and we lived in this house, and we had our own rooms, but then mom got pregnant with Corey, so mm -hmm. I had to move in with Kayla. Mm -hmm. So then we got the big house at, at, on Rainbird, and we finally got our own rooms again, but then mom got pregnant with you. Mm -hmm. So then... Mm -hmm. <laughs> You and Corey had to share a room. Uh -huh. So, I mean, it just, different things like that, we don't want to have to go through. Okay. Um, my, I guess, biggest reservations or things I think about as far as having children are, uh, finances are a huge thing. <laughs> um, and then, especially here in America, as far as the resources extended to people who have children, I feel like are very scarce. As Like if we're talking about like daycare, like we look at how other countries actually incentivize people having kids because they're trying to replenish or whatever with their population. And then you, America's on the total end of the opposite spectrum. If you look at a woman's, the percentage of a woman's um, salary, how much is goes to healthcare versus every other, all these other countries like Italy, the uh, Czech Republic and stuff. They incentivize their people to have babies and they have programs and they have free daycare. Or they have certain things that they give you for having that child. Whereas here you're on your own and the support system isn't there. The only support you're going to get is from family. You know, there's no governmental right. support. So you're kind of just left hanging 
Um, so finances are a big thing. And I mean, I know you're never going to have enough money. Like people always use the excuse like when I'm financially comfortable or but you're, I don't think you ever will be. So I think like that's why people are just like, OK, well, let's just have a kid then now because we're never going to be OK. Like if you wait, then you're never going to have that child. You're never, yeah, you're never yeah. you're never ready. You're yeah. never ready. You're never financially ready. You're never mentally ready. You're never physically ready. You just have to go. And that's where I think like faith comes into play uh-huh. and things like that. But like I said, I have friends who don't who just have kids, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they just, they, they just, people at church that I know, they're not even for their acquaintances that I have mm-hmm. that they have multiple children. They have four five and six and it's just because they're very trusting, but I don't know their financial situation. Yeah. I don't know their home situation and how stressed out they may be. They may have all these kids and be happy, but be stressed out on the inside and die. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put myself through that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also but in- child care is a big thing too. Like we were lucky enough to have mommy Gina keep both of our girls and she was very um affordable mm-hmm. if anything like I remember when I was when Cameron was first born she wouldn't even let me pay her for like the first month mm-hmm. because she knew I was just now getting back into work so mm-hmm. she just watched Cameron for free mm-hmm. um but she's watched both of them since they were born but Gina's getting older now so if I have another kid most likely it's going to be a daycare kid or TJ's mom is retiring so this kid would be raised by his mom during the day, mm-hmm. which would be super spoiled because it would be a grandma kid. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want to have to go through that. Yeah. Um, I don't wanna, not anymore. <laughs> I just kind of, I'll be 34 this year. I've kind of just let it go. Like, you know, I'm going to be okay with not having any more kids. Yeah. And then, for a long, for a long, for a, for a few years though, I did feel like a piece of my family was missing. Like I'm missing one kid. I'm missing a third I'm missing something, mm-hmm. but now I'm just like, I think what I'm missing with the house and mm-hmm. then I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you talked about your age. Um, another thing I think that factors into the decision to have a child is just like timing and age and like, as far as time, you know, we have biological clocks and unfortunately our biology does not keep up with our social progress, meaning like, um, careers and stuff like that. And right. Also, oh, well, I'll do this on another episode. I wanted to talk about the fertility industry and cryopreservation of eggs and how I think, how I told you, I think to some extent now it's being marketed and it preys on the the biological clocks of women and it's become this huge money-making industry, which I, I'm glad it's an alternative and it's a, it's a resource for those who cannot conceive naturally or whatever. Anyway, I digress. That's a whole different topic. But um, time but time is, like, a big thing. Again, like, when is the right time? Or, when, or if I have this career or if I have whatever I have going on, like, how does a child change that? And then um, I think... We, you had mentioned it, like, you're never ready. Like, I'm nervous of, like, my inadequacy as a parent. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to fuck up my children, but I also don't want to raise a child that'll fuck up other people's kids. Like, like I'm terrified that I'm, like, my kid's not going to come out great and they then will not so much contribute positively to the world. Um... Yeah, so I think just being afraid of how that child will turn out and always beating myself up over parenting decisions. If I did this, maybe my kid would be happier, their childhood would be be different, or they would be different, you know? So, but at the end of the day, I still, I mean, I I go back and forth all the time if I want to have kids or not. I really do believe, like, I was meant, I had, I, I've been told all my life I'd make a great mom, and I think I would, actually, but I'm just scared. Well, and you're 23, right? Yeah, um, yeah I will be. 22? Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you have time. Like, everybody, like, you're, if I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't have had Cameron until I was 30. I would have enjoyed my 20s and got a little bit more stable, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't, plan to have Cameron Uh you know Cameron popped up a month before I got married Uh so it was like oh okay now I have no choice life has been fully accelerated Uh at this point um so but if I could go back and if I watch my friends like 
I would I would have liked to have been in a house and had a more stable job mm-hmm. um, as a younger mom. But at the end of the day, that's just how life rolled, and it is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. I just you just kind of roll with it, but you're making don't feel like your time is right. I didn't start feeling like a biological clock tick until right before I had Grayson because we planned to have Grayson mm-hmm. and that's because I wanted a second one and I kept feeling like I want to have another baby mm-hmm. and that biological clock is real you'll start feeling it mm-hmm. but at age 23 <laughs> please just go get drunk and have fun yeah. because I wish I could have done that I wish I could have been able to go on trips with my friends and things like that and I know mom Mom had me at eighteen. Yeah, so she had me even younger. My, mom was never a, like a young kids. adult. Yeah, mom. Mom never got to experience like young adulthood. No, she, she was. was she, just, she had me, and then she had grow. You have to grow up so soon. Mm-hmm. And I mean, eighteen to twenty-three is only five years, but at least I had five years. Yeah. Of you know, young adulthood to go party it up. Mm-hmm. Not saying that young adulthood is just about partying it up, but. For me, I feel like that's a very important part of life mm-hmm. is to go party and do your thing and live and just be a young adult. Yeah. Then when you get into your late 20s, because your 20s are rough. Your 20s are very hard. You're learning yourself. You're trying to finish school. You're tr- if you're in school, you're trying to find a job. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. Like my 20s were rough and they were even rougher because I had a kid mm-hmm. and I was married my 30s I love my 30s my 30s are tough because they're still tough but they're not I just enjoy mm-hmm. I'm just more in tune with myself so I feel like if I had a kid when I was 30 mm-hmm. it would have been a little bit better because I'm more in tune with myself and who I am and I'm more comfortable in my own skin I'm not trying to be anybody else yeah yeah um, I guess my last question, which I think you kind of touched on too. So if this is a repeat, you don't have to answer. Um, cause I'm trying to end on a positive note. What are the joys of motherhood? Oh, the joys of motherhood is when people tell you that they enjoy your children. Mm. Like when they tell it, when you, when they get to experience like new things and they're excited about it like Grayson getting to go on a field trip for the first time and being excited to ride a school bus, Mm -hmm. like different things like that. Or when they learn how to read um, and just seeing them so excited to learn how to read um, or do different things. Or like when you are having like a really rough day, they'll just, you always know that there's somebody at home waiting on you. Like you could, you could hate your life, Mm -hmm. but they're waiting on you and they're happy to see you. And they just give you a hug because they don't know any better. They don't know any of the troubles that you face during the day because to you, to them, you are the best thing in their life. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel the joy of motherhood is. I know. All right. Was there anything else that we covered this episode that you wanted to elaborate on or go back to? No, you, this was a really good one. I really enjoyed this. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for being a a guest host on here, Chriselle. Yeah, hopefully the sound is good and we can continue to do it again because I do like to do this. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, Thank you to all all you listeners out there. I think I I have touched um, eight countries at this point now when I was looking at my analytics the other day. Um, Please like, subscribe, share, leave a review, any of that good stuff. Um, Again, thank you, Chriselle, for hopping on the pod. All right, this is Kevin and Chriselle signing off of Kevin Girl Podcast. This is... (laughs)